0: Callum, are you a fan of race socialism? No. (laughs) (laughs) Me neither. And it's seemingly in its advanced stages of of failure, really, in South Africa here. And um, I wanted to break down what's actually going on in South Africa, because it's quite stark and worrying for the people of South Africa. And I think to the rest of the world, a stark warning not to copy them. And of course, what many progressives want to do is copy them and
1: if only there was some kind of warning i don't know like a country to the north of south africa that once tried this before
0: hmm you're not on about zimbabwe by any chance no, Rhodesia, actually. oh right you called it by its correct name <laughs> but before actually talking about the current news i have covered south africa before um in this article on the website which is worth checking out i actually had a lot of fun researching this. And it also has an audio track. If you don't like reading, if you're like Callum, you hate reading, you can listen instead. But this breaks down... It's
1: nice of you to cater to disabled, it's very... I know.
0: We at Lotus Eaters are nothing but the most inclusive people. And um, yes, this was published in July of 2021 when basically South Africa was being burnt down. For example, they burnt down one of their largest ports. And so they... (laughs) So they didn't get any trade goods for a very long time until they had to, I know. It's a very economically literate way of rioting. But um, yes, I I have talked about this before. It's worth checking out. It gives you a decent amount of background of some of the South African politics that have led up to this current situation. But what is this current situation? You might be asking Callum. I know it's the, the question on your lips. I can see it in your face. And it is this. Um, This article from The Telegraph titled, First Electricity, Now Water. South Africa's infrastructure is falling apart. You may remember a time that South Africa prided itself on being one of the countries in Africa that could supply its citizens with energy and water, which um, to our, our Western minds is a pretty low bar, isn't it? But, I mean, for Africa, that's great. And so, it's a shame really that this has happened, but we will be looking into why it's happened, but The um, Telegraph says, uh, as follows, in some of Johannesburg's most opulent neighbourhoods, the taps are frequently dry. The mains um, in what is one of Africa's most developed cities can be turned off for days at a time, leaving households and sometimes even hospitals without running water. And yeah, this is a complete disaster considering where they used to be, say 10, 20 years ago, um, elsewhere, um, the country has reported its first cholera outbreak since 2009. A total of 43 people have died so far across the country. The worst outbreak in, um, in the town of uh i am sure I'm mispronouncing that—in Pretoria, killing 23 of them. Um, water supplies have been forced um, supplies, I think, or suppliers have been forced to cope with national power outages, which have worsened dramatically in the past year and. Uh, at times, I've seen 10 hours of power cuts each day. Do you imagine living with 10 hours of power cuts each day? I can't imagine not having
1: water. No. <laughs> mm. Just thought I'd mock the South Africans. You're, um It's what you get. You're just a fountain
0: <laughs> of sensitivity.
1: <laughs> Do you not feel richer now? I know. You never get that?
0: When somebody get you read about water.
1: But like When I read about someone who's going mm-hmm. through massive hunger and then I go and eat lunch, I feel so rich. <laughs> so whenever I hear about people who like, oh, there's no water in the world, I'm like, oh.
0: So your your reaction up. to famine, starvation, <laughs> dehydration is just, I feel so much better.
1: My life doesn't seem that bad.
0: <laughs> but it carries on to say, um, meanwhile, years of neglect, lax testing and local mismanagement have seen water infrastructure fade and decay, experts say. Such decline is particularly disappointing for a country which has long championed the importance of access to water. South Africa enshrined its fundamental right in the 1994 post-apartheid constitution more than a decade before the United Nations followed suit. Majority rule has seen more people get access to piped water. Some 76% of households got their water from piped supply in their home in 2021, up from 68% in 2002, which isn't really that much of an increase. That is, what, 8%? 8% since 2002 to 2021. You think that, you know... Clean water would be a bit more of a priority. Easier. Yeah, and you yeah. think that, that that would have risen a lot more considering, but no, and apparently it's getting worse. But um, if you could move on to the next one, John, here we have a pretty good breakdown of the policies that have created this basket case of a really? country.
1: This local Marxist on screen, I thought he would improve the country.
0: <laughs> no way. Marxists have never ruined African countries before. I mean, it's not like all of the countries in Central Africa that adopted Marxist policies post-colonialism ended They became ended up, Yeah. And all the ones that adopted good economic policies, such as Botswana, for example... <laughs> such as not theft. Yes. Being the state apparatus. Mm-hmm. They've done quite well. It, it's, it's almost like there's a connection there. But this article by uh, Brian Pottinger, I hope I'm pronouncing his name right, points out some of the policies that have caused it. And I thought it was quite interesting to read some of these out. So he says, let's start with the ANC's disastrous economic policy, which of course is the cause of most of this. The recent and um, the recently passed National Health Insurance Act seeks to impose a complex and unaffordable 11, £11 billion national health insurance system on a state which has utterly failed in key government functions for nearly 30 years due to epic corruption and maladministration. And these are the two sort of pronged attack on South Africa being a country in that they are so corrupt and so incompetent that it's close to being a failed state at the minute. And this should be a cautionary tale for other corrupt and incompetent nations, which is most of them these days, seemingly. And it carries on to say, this is most prominent in healthcare where criminal cartels have operated with impunity for decades in securing tenders and in one recent case, assassinated a whistleblower. It'd be terrible if, say, the United States Secret Services ever did that. Um, The new measures, meanwhile, threaten to displace the extensive and highly successful private healthcare system on which the middle classes, many formerly employed workers depend, black and white. Who'd have thought that, yeah, state healthcare might make things worse? And then, this is and a particularly egregious one, I'm not sure if you've heard of this one, Callum, but he says, um, other draft regulations, this time by Department of Labor, allows the government to set employment targets for every business to reflect the precise demographic profile of the country. Where have we heard this before? Both an absurdity and an impossibility given the uneven spread of skills and demography. On top of this, draft regulations by the Department of Water and Sanitation, wait, wait for this, Um, require businesses and farmers applying for water rights permits to prove that between 25 and 75% of their businesses um, are black-owned. So if you want water, you better not be a white man or employ white people, because water is not for you. Um, You're not allowed a water.
1: If you look at a map, like an ethnic map of South Africa, it's not that easy either. I don't know if there's a special regulation, but if you go to the east, you end up with quite a few not-black people. Mm -hmm. In fact, they get listed in I think they still do this in the South African census. They get listed as coloured or white, and that part of the country is almost entirely mm-hmm. those categories, which are not black. Isn't
0: it great that apartheid ended racism with their coloured and, and, and sure. white categories? I mean It's just
1: embarrassing. Like Elon Musk was actually invited back recently to mm-hmm. South Africa by the South African government, and they said he's, he's welcome to come back, provided he makes 30% of his company black.
0: Something that makes me doubt that he's probably going to do that. Um, yeah, there is going to be no South I mean, African SpaceX. Moved, hasn't he moved to Texas? Sure, but I mean, he moved out of South Africa for one.
1: Yeah. And they're like, why don't you come back? What's changed? Well, we've gotten worse. <laughs> it yeah, really nah. has
0: gotten worse, yeah. I don't understand how any, any companies, any investors would want to go to South Africa. Because, of course, as I mentioned earlier, last time they, they burnt down a decent portion of the businesses that existed there in the first place, and as you may remember from the the Summer of Love in the United States, burning down businesses is not a good way of getting businesses to be in your neighborhood and I think we covered the food deserts didn 't we yeah. at some point.
1: How could this happen to us
0: I know, and um and the final point i 'm going to bring up is this one that from this article. Um, and this comes back to the failed land restitution program, which has seen a catastrophic decline in productivity and employment in the millions of hectares handed to the new cronial communal ownership. Who'd have thought that communal farms would have massively reduced productivity? I mean, that didn't happen in the Soviet Union. I mean, you didn't have since the 1930s to know that this doesn't work. So it says millions of other hectares, 2.8 million in KwaZulu-Natal, which of course is where the Zulus live, Um, remain under communal tenure, systems dating to Victorian times, and the ANC is too afraid of a rural insurgency to touch the power of the traditional leaders who have the right to rule over this land. The whites are an easier target, which is true. Um, I think it's um, part of the reason why it's very, very dangerous to be a South African farm owner if you are white, or probably just more generally, really, because you're in the middle of nowhere in a country that is near lawless at this point. So. Here we have an article from Al Jazeera, not exactly one of my favorite outlets. Um, and this is, of course, talking about corruption. This is one of the former um, leaders. He just had four million, I think it was for, the equivalent of four million pounds, just lying around in his farmhouse that was stolen. How people knew it was there and all of that other stuff. Kind of a bit of a, a, an unusual question. But the fact he's just got that large amount of money just hiding away in somewhere obscure kind of makes me think, is it meant to be on the books or not? I would say probably not. And this is of course one of the problems that is rife um, with just absolutely ridiculous corruption. It makes the Soviet Union look like it's running efficiently with the level of corruption that you get. And uh, just to add insult to injury as well, here we have one from Bloomberg where it's titled, South Africa to add 3% to the salaries of all public office bearers. I find that when your country doesn't have clean water, what your public representatives really need is a pay increase. To be
1: fair, what's the inflation? Because I imagine they're also cocking that up.
0: Oh, yeah. Well,
1: every right country
0: away. has uh, printed a ton of money. So it might actually not even mitigate inflation. But still, no, it, it's... <laughs> it really doesn't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but even so, if you can't supply clean water and you know, food, the, the basics for people... Do you really deserve to be giving yourself a pay increase? I don't think so. And they have supposedly come up with some solutions to the problems. Whether these work or not, I am very sceptical. But here we have one. This is reported by um, Upstream, I think. And it is titled, We Fight to End. Um, The South African minister stands firm on oil and gas. Um, So basically, they tried to do the suicidal green agenda stuff quickly as everyone else has done and uh, they've realized that yes maybe it would be good to have energy security to actually have power 24 hours a day as if that's some sort of luxury but yes they are now turning to oil and gas as say other countries have cough cough Germany um, to try and solve things and uh, the previous article which I think accidentally got skipped over they also um, pointed out that they are nearing the end of power cuts because it's coming to the end of winter in the Southern Hemisphere. And they're just like, well, when the sun comes out, you won't have to use heating, so you'll have more energy, which is a bit insulting, really, that you've just got to wait. We're not going to do anything. We're just going to wait for the summer, and then you won't have to heat. And it's not exactly it's ideal. Not a
1: great government promise,
0: is it? No. We'll have all the energy you want in the summer. Well, you're, you know, if you're trying to run a restaurant, say, you only get power um, In half summer. of the day, um, how are you going to keep your produce fresh? How are you going to run your business? Say you're running a, a, a food supplier, you've got great big fridges, well, you either need expensive backup generators, and your own infrastructure built yourself, which of course is going to pass on the price to the consumer as well, and limit your profits, or... Perhaps you could have a functional energy infrastructure. That would be a a nice thing, wouldn't it? And so another one here is this one from Bloomberg um, titled South Africa ramps up coordinated effort to exit grey list. And I'm not sure whether you're familiar with grey lists, Callum, but it's basically just a sort of a means of marking whether a country is safe for investment. And as you can imagine, grey is not particularly good. It's not like a blacklist, but it's getting close. And so if you want investment in your country, when you've burnt down your ports and destroyed it all, you don't have energy and clean water, you really, really need foreign investment. And so this is very, very important. This is probably essential if they are to recover from this. And I don't think that they're doing enough to get off of this gray list because of course, corruption and all of that sort of thing
1: doesn't help. No water.
0: No water. (laughs) Yeah. It's difficult to run a country when you don't have enough water. and of course, this could lead to political change. And even the BBC, um, who seem to support the ANC, because you know, the BBC loves race socialism, it seems, or at least the pe- some of the people at the BBC. And it says load shedding, which is just um, what they euphemistically call power cuts, um, because of course you have to change the name, um, could switch South Africans off the ANC. I mean, yeah, power could. cuts could probably switch me off the leading government. <laughs> Yes, if you didn't have power and power enough to run your country, yeah, it it sucks. And they have, of course, been ascendant since the end of apartheid. So this would be historic. I've never lived without an ANC government in South Africa, I don't think. So I would like to see them go. They are horrible people. I mean, of course, it's the party of Nelson Mandela, Winnie Mandela, his wife, known for being linked to the disappearance of a 14-year-old boy and talking about putting white people in tires soaked in petrol and setting them on fire. Um, and she said that would be their way to freedom. Lovely lady. Um, it's great that we have a, a statue of Nelson Mandela in Parliament Square, isn't it? I mean, basically a terrorist. Well, he was.
1: Yeah. Not like, basically, like, he was. But mm-hmm. like, you can argue, oh no, but he won, so he's a freedom fighter. Cool. Still terrorist at the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, that doesn't. You can it, argue for the cause. It doesn't mean you're not a terrorist. Like, killing
0: what? innocent people who are in no way involved in apartheid. Not that you know, doing government things deserves death necessarily. Um, I know I'm libertarian, so that's hard for me to say. But um,
1: what, the taxman doesn't deserve death in your mind.
0: Don't don't put this to me. Um. <laughs> don't bring up that that dirty word to me. That that T word. I find that a, an offensive slur. But yes, it goes on to say that. Um, it seems like they're dropping points in the polls, which, you know, of course they are. But there's a, a, a great big coalition forming to try and take them down of basically all the other parties. Um, but it's kind of fated to fail because the coalition is led <laughs> we by a white water. man.
1: We pro- oh, no. <laughs> I, I was thinking that's the easiest campaign ever then, but no, mm-hmm. no, they're ruined.
0: Yes, because, because a white man is leading it, people might not vote for him, even though he promises water and energy. It's like, can you overlook I your racism?
1: Civilization. Yes, but you are white. <laughs> if
0: you could overlook I am, yes. <laughs> <laughs> overlook his pigmentation, he does have solutions to, you know, having clean water. I feel like perhaps water energy, being able to live might be a bit more important than the colour of the skin of the person leading your country. I don't know. Maybe that's just me. Maybe I'm just strange, but that seems reasonable to me. And uh, finally um, here we have Africa News, South Africa opposition set election coalition to oust ANC, and of course this is what I was talking about earlier, that I think it's six parties have all joined forces just like, yeah, we just hate the ANC, let's all just join together and get rid of them. And I'm not necessarily optimistic about their chances. I imagine the ANC could, could run um, you know, a pig in a wig as long as it had the right skin pigmentation and it would get elected. It's, it's kind of like the Labour Party in Britain, in certain constituencies. If it wears a red rosette, it will get in. <laughs> Why are you looking at me like that? you're not wrong. It's not wrong, is it? Um, but yes, it, it's a terrible situation. And of course, because they have such a stranglehold on power, because they've fiddled everything and they are corrupt, it doesn't seem likely that it's going to change. And this should be not only... Uh, a sort of cautionary tale to people in South Africa who I'm sure are more than aware of this. I mean, any South African people in the audience, I feel very sorry for you. Um, I hope you're safe and sound. But it should also be a a warning to people in the West that this is what happens if you have racial socialism. And this is um, perhaps not the most accurate term. I think you could also call it intersectionalism in a sense, although I don't think the South Africans are strictly intersectional. There are certainly some parallels there between the two in that they prioritize race and equal distribution over having a functional country. And there are lots of people in the West that want to do this. This is what you should point to, to say that it fails, yes. If you hate clean drinking water, if you hate food, if you hate energy, vote for this. But uh, if you like living, um, which I am rather fond of, you should not vote for this. (laughs) And that's pretty much all I have to say. (laughs)
1: If you appreciated that segment from the podcast The Lotus Eaters, you can go to lotuseaters.com to get access to all the premium content that's on the site, such as the Contemplation series, this episode, and what makes music good. And if you'd like to find out what else is being put out, you can follow on Getter at lotuseaters underscore com on Getter. Thank you and goodbye.